0: Come on, how many of you love Dr. A? He is crazy in all the right ways. I love your gift of faith. I love being able to serve with you on the board. And um, it's just great to be here. I look around the room. I see so many friends, so many role models. Brother Stacy, you are a, you are a man of God, and you are a walking miracle. And... Um, And I can so relate to what Pastor Wade said because it was January of 2000 that I came as a midterm student, not knowing what was in me, not knowing what was gonna be in front of me, but can I just tell you that in moments where you offer up your next fresh yes to Jesus, you have no idea where that will lead. No idea. And um, I came here, I did not have a prayer life. I was a midtermer, so I kind of jumped right in in January, and it was the week of prayer. I thought, dear God, in 20 minutes, I prayed for every relative, every crisis, every sin I could think of, every nation I knew of, and I was done. And I thought, we have to do this for a whole week. This is, And then I just kind of laid prostrate on the floor because people were doing that and looking spiritual. And I was like, I'm just going to take a nap. <laughs> and uh, Paul Johansson was the president at that time, and he came over and kneeled down next to me on the ground. he said, young man, you will have to pinch yourself where God opens doors for you in places he sends you in the days ahead. And it's moments like this that you just, all it takes is a fresh obedience. All it takes is your heart to be open and say yes to Jesus, whatever he has. And I just love to be in an environment like this. Um, I owe so much to my Elam heritage, so much. I bring you greetings from my wife, Anna. Uh, We did not meet at Elam, but we got married real quick uh, after Elam and next week celebrate 20 years. I bring you greetings from our boys. We have two teenagers in the house, dear Jesus. My son Judah is 15, my son Jesse is 13, and I'm so glad you're in training right now for ministry. There are people all over the planet kind of freaking out, saying, it's getting so dark, it's getting so crazy. Can I just say it's a good time to be in the light business? The darker it gets, the crazier it gets, it's a great time to be in the light business. And I know people are praying and saying, Jesus, come, Jesus, come. He's looking down at us and saying, go church, go. The stage is set for us to be who we are and it's not an accident that you're here right now it's not an accident that you were born into the generation you were born into the family you were born into the lineage God has us here for a reason and when you believe that it gives purpose to what's happening and it begins to connect the dots for what God is speaking to you and And I just want to say the kingdom of God, I know that when you're here and in this setting and you're locked in, you've got pressures and exams and and all kinds of things. It's easy to kind of feel like you're in a little bit of a holy bubble. But can I just announce to you that the kingdom of God is advancing out there in every sector of society. So when you leave here, if you become a pastor, a missionary, a worship leader, a nurse, a business leader, a politician, just already know that you're stepping into a kingdom that is already advancing, and just because you don't see it and hear about it on the news, it is happening. So regardless of what you step into next, this training really matters, and when you know what's happening now is connected to what's next, you'll treasure this, and it'll be more meaningful for you. Right. You may not know what all the other dots are, but I promise you in God's sovereign goodness, he knows how to tell a good story with your life. He's the author and the finisher, the alpha and the omega. I never would have thought that after being here for a few years, God would send us to Elam Gospel Church and we'd be able to serve for 15 years and, and pour our heart out there. I never thought we would end up in Maryland. But you know what? It's just one fresh yes after another. And I'm telling you, God will fulfill the desires of your heart, and he will use every gift that he's given you. But I pray that wherever you land, you never lose this heart of what I want to talk about today. It's the heart of a Levite. It's the heart of someone who seeks God and serves his house, no matter what your occupation, paycheck, or calling morphs into in the days ahead. So I want, I want you to take out some notes. If you're not a note taker, take out some notes anyways. Pull out your phone. I want to share with you in the time we have, and I know that no matter how anointed this message is, I cannot crowd into your lunch hour. I have been here. I know the culture. I'm just playing. I know you're hungry. How many of you are hungry for the word of God? How many of you just know that when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, you are infused with clarity and energy and life. There's nothing like when the Holy Spirit just prompts something in your heart. And I pray that he does that today. I want to talk about the four marks of a modern-day Levite. Who are the Levites? Your Bible school students, you know. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob had a bunch of boys. They became the patriarchs, right? There was 12 patriarchs. In fact, Joseph's two boys, Ephraim and Manasseh, got kind of lumped in there, and they were the 12 tribes of Israel. But the tribe of Levi was very special because out of the tribe of Levi, God said, I'm going to take the sons of Aaron and make them priests, and I'm going to take all the other Levites, And they're going to be the ones that serve in my house. They're not going to be the ones that just attend church or come to the temple. They're going to be in on the action at every level. And so it was the Levites who were the worship leaders. It was the Levites who even worked with the scribes to make sure the sacred texts were protected. It was the Levites who did portable church before multi-site and portable church was even a thing. They would set it up and tear it down and set it up and tear it down. They would follow the cloud Right, It was the Levites that got in on the action, and the heart of a Levite says, I have a heart to seek God, and I have a heart to serve his house. How many of you know the local church is the hope of the world? It is, and regardless of what your calling looks like down the road, I pray that those two things stick with you at the core of your being. I have a heart to seek God, and I want to use my hands, my gifts, my passions, and ability to build and take care of the house of God. Now, these were not glorified custodians, the Levites. Numbers three, God says that I want you to set apart the tribe of Levi, for they will perform sacred duties in and around my temple. So just know that I don't know what you call your student ministry hours that you have to do off campus and and what that even looked like, but listen, it's a sacred duty. If you're putting out Purell on a table as guest services, it's a sacred duty. If you're working with kids, it's a sacred. My first outstation was preaching in children's church. I was terrible. I was with puppets behind the stage. I'm thinking, what? Sacred duty. God was training me as a Levite because it doesn't matter what your title is. It doesn't matter how upfront and visible you are. If you have a heart to seek God and to serve his house, you are a modern-day Levite. So I want to give you the four marks. First mark is this. They were set apart. They were set apart. It says in Deuteronomy 10.8, here is a job description of a Levite. It says the Lord separated, say separated, the tribe of Levi to himself. And I just want to say this. There were times growing up in the Elam heritage that I was frustrated with some of what I would call the Pentecostal holiness things as far as how we could dress, how we couldn't dress, what we could do, what we couldn't do. But can I just say... That holiness is never old-fashioned or outdated. In God's value system, holiness is never old-fashioned. It's His heart. There's a he said, "I want the tribe of I want my Levites to be holy." And listen, holiness is the inward posture of your heart that later is manifest in your public decisions. Holiness is not a commitment to commitment. It's a, it's a opening of your heart to be transformed on a regular basis. It's not behavior modification. It's, you know, I, I I was at Elam and I was like, God, I know you need me to be holy. And I began to become so sin conscious and behavior conscious. But how many of you know the Holy Spirit will make you more God conscious? he say, stop looking at your behavior, stop looking at your pattern, and start looking to Jesus. And when you become more God-conscious, you naturally separate yourself. Come on, how many are thankful that you don't have... Just because you used to be doesn't mean you still have to be. You're already changed. You've been here for weeks for some of you. And God is working on the inside of you. And so my my man Andrew has some props for me that I want to use right now just to kind of illustrate this. I want this to stick in your mind. Because this issue of being set apart is is a really big deal. Uh, The Apostle Paul said this about Demas. Thank you so much. He said, Demas, my co-worker in the gospel, has left me and forsaken me in the mission of God. Why? Because he has fallen in love with the things of this world. See, what I didn't know is that Demas' name actually means popular. There was a desire in Demas to be popular. And if you've learned anything in ministry training, you've learned that leadership is not a popularity contest. And I believe that sometimes in our attempt to connect with and win people over to the gospel, we, we crave a popularity, but yet God said, I've called you to be separated in a peculiar people. Now, I'm not advocating like you to become some holy hermit, crazy, fanatic, weirdo. Like some people are too weird for God. Like God is not weird. People are weird. I'm not going to put God in a box, and he can do all kinds of things that may make me feel uncomfortable, but he's not weird. Sometimes people are weird. But God said, I want the tribe. here." here this music stand represents Christ followers, modern-day Levites, and this stand represents the world or culture. Paul Johansson, 20 years ago illustrated this in a chapel, and it stuck with me ever since. See, what happens is the enemy tries to trick us and say, to make the gospel attractional to this group, we kind of have to blend in. We kind of have to cuddle up next to you. We kind of have to water down sometimes our lives to be more attractional over here. But the truth is, in the name of trying to become trendy, I think sometimes we lose our transformational qualities. And what happens is, as culture, Revelation 22 says, as time progresses, as God's story unfolds, the unrighteous or The scripture says the vile will become more vile, and the righteous will become more righteous. So it wasn't just in the Old Testament with the Levites. God said, my people will be set apart. I have not designed you just to be popular. I actually made you to be peculiar, a city on a hill, light in the darkness, a people with hope. And that means I can't live or die for their affirmation or acceptance. Because if I live for the affirmation of culture, I'll die when I receive any measure of rejection. Are you with me? So the maturing of good and the maturing of evil, it, it's happening in, in the history of humanity. Now, what happens is sometimes in our lives we say, listen, I am separated. Culture is over here and I'm right here. I don't believe the same way. I don't think the same things. You know, I may look similar, but you know, I'm different on the inside. The issue is this is a sliding scale and culture keeps moving this way. And if as church leaders we say, well, I'm just maintaining the distance. I'm just maintaining the gap. Well, as this starts going off the map crazy, and we just say I'm separated because I'm maintaining the gap, where the church is is where the world was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. So what I'm saying is I'm not advocating holy isolation, In fact, Jesus, like, this is kind of crazy. If you think about spiritual parenting, he looked at his sons and daughters. He said, I'm sending you like sheep among wolves. They would lock a parent up for that nowadays. Why would Jesus have the audacity to send us into the world? Because he is so confident of the Holy Spirit inside of you. He's so confident. How many of you know that grace is more powerful than sin? He is so confident of what is inside of you. So, listen, I understand that you have to have contact to have impact. I'm not talking about we stay in our holy huddle and we become some hermits and never interact with culture. But what I am saying is, God has and always will call his Levites to be set apart. And so, instead of worshiping the idol of cultural relevancy, which is so easy, we kind of just throw that around like, I just want to be relevant. Instead of cultural relevancy, what I would suggest to you is what we need is we need spiritual potency, we need real power, and we need cultural fluency where we can speak truth from here to culture in a way that they feel and understand and know what we're talking about. How many of you know what I'm saying? How many of you say, God, I need some spiritual potency in my life, and God, I want to reach people for you. I need some cultural fluency, But see, you're going to be tempted to bow to the idol of cultural relevancy all the more now. And there are people now that are saying, it's so dark, it's so divided. Like, training pastors for ministry right now? Huh, listen, the reason you're going to make it is because the Holy Spirit is going to show you what you need to do. And while you are set apart, he he is so confident with what he has placed inside of you. When Abraham in Genesis 18 was negotiating with God about Sodom and Gomorrah, He said, God, if there's 50 righteous, will you save it? God, if there's 40 righteous, God, if there's, he ends up with 10. And God says, Abraham, if there's 10 righteous, I'll spare the city. Read between the lines. What God is saying is, if there are 10 of these, if I could have 10 modern day Levites in Sodom and Gomorrah, I can save the city and change the culture because I've got 10 modern day. Come on, somebody. How many of you know God is more audacious in his confidence of what he's put in you than you are? And so the Levi's have been set apart. I believe God wants us to have cultural fluency and not just cultural relevancy. I don't have to live there to speak life there. And in fact, as the Holy Spirit gives you an opportunity and as he begins to transform your story and give you a testimony, what we get to do is the privilege of is we get to say, I know what it's like to feel addicted and bound in sin, but it's a whole lot better to be free. I know what it's like to be bound to lies and not feel like I know my purpose, but it's a whole lot better to know why I'm on this planet. Come on. I I know what it's like to feel isolated, but it's a whole lot better being in the family of God and having a community, somebody. I know what it's like to be going through life aimless, but it's so much better having a mission in the provision of God to do what I was made to do. Do you know people that need to hear that? Of course we do. In our own families. Some of you left circles of friends behind to come here. Because God said, I'm going to set apart my Levites that will seek me and serve my house. Now, being all in on the mission of God and being a modern day Levite is not just about stepping away from culture. It's about stepping towards God. He said, I didn't separate the Levites to be with the Levites. I separated them to myself. The second mark of a Levite is standing in the presence of God. Standing in the presence of God. And I I learned this from Bob Sorge, a great longtime friend of Elam, who is based out of Kansas City, the International House of Prayer. He taught me the value of standing in the presence of God. Here's the job description. Back to Deuteronomy 10.8. It says, At that time, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Covenant, to carry the presence of God wherever they went, and to stand before the Lord to minister. Now, I hate standing still. Like when I took Pastor Mike's preaching class years ago, I was just like, (laughs) and I was watching people's faces like bounce back and forth like they were watching a tennis match. And I realized I hate standing still. When I was a kid, I grew up in a family with six kids and my dad, if we were loud and had all kinds of commotion and he wanted to settle things down and get it under control, he would say, park it. And what that meant was sit on the couch and don't move. And what that meant was if he was watching NASCAR pull my eyes out for a, you know, seven-year-old kid watching cars go around the track, I was like, could you just spank me, ground me, do some, anything but tell me to sit still? And listen, let's be honest. In our culture especially right now with the tension that we are feeling in the spiritual atmosphere in America, especially with the division, that, especially in the political season, especially all of that thing that you're feeling happening in and around us, culture says don't just what? Don't just stand there, do something. Culture says to us, don't just stand there, do something. But the kingdom of God says the exact opposite. It says, don't just do something, stand there. Stand there. What would happen in your life if before the activity of your life you stood in the presence of God more regularly? Not in fervent prayer, not in in radical, just standing in the presence of God. Modern day Levites learn that they have to minister to God before they minister for God. Culture will never stop beating that drum. Don't just stand there, do something. Take activity, do some like all oh, that tension, just we have believed the lie that our activity will be, uh, produce productivity. And I have just learned in 20 years of ministry that sometimes, many times, you have no clue what to do. So the truth is, don't fake it till you make it. Stand in the presence of God until you have an unction, a word, favor, direction, prompting, leading, guiding. You know what I'm talking about. Don't just do something. Stand there. And I love the job description in Luke chapter 1 of Gabriel, the angel who comes to Zechariah. Again, you, you know the story of Zechariah. Uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth were praying for years and years to have a child. They were barren. Uh, they actually came from the tribe of Levi. Holy people, holy couple, serve God. Gabriel shows up while Zechariah is in the temple for performing his duties as a priest. And the angel says, hey, I've come, to answer, I've come to let you know that God is answering your prayer. And by the way, heaven already knows his name. You're having a child, and you are to name him John, after John the Baptist. Sometimes you can pray for something so long that when God shows up and says he's going to answer it, you forgot what you were praying for or, you, or unbelief has crept in. And Zechariah said, How do I know this is going to happen? And and, and the angel sees the unbelief in Zechariah's heart. And what does the angel say? Bro, don't you know who I am and what I do? He he, he gives his job description in Luke chapter 1. I'll I'll read it to you. Luke chapter 1 and verse 19. The angel said, Gabriel said, I, here's his job description. Here's what adds credibility to what he's saying. I stand in the presence of God. That's his clout. That's his credibility. You don't want to listen to him. He said, I stand in the very presence of God. Now, as a leader in, who thinks in organizational structure and all that, I'm thinking, isn't that an incredible waste of resources? You have this big, powerful, majestic angel, and he just stands around the throne of God? Like, sure, God sends him on missions to deliver messages from time to time. Like, 600 years earlier, when the prophet Daniel was... Praying and fasting, and, and Gabriel shows up and said, Yeah, yeah, it was kind of a rough spiritual climate. The Archangel Michael had to fight through the Prince of Persia, and, and I'm here now to deliver this message to you. So he delivers a message 600 years ago. Then he is, what is he doing in the meantime? Standing in the presence of God. Then he shows up to Zechariah. Six months later, he shows up to Mary with another message. He goes 600 years standing in the presence of God, delivers a message, and then two messages in six months. That was the busy season, right? This is like Christmas around FedEx, right? This is Gabriel, the angel said, I stand in the presence of God. What would happen if you took some time in the midst of all the busyness privately to stand in the presence of God, put on some worship music, get in your car, just, I'm talking... In the morning lunch break there are times where you know you're facing things inside of you fears doubts challenges you're facing challenges back home you're you're facing financial I need a breakthrough you're facing things that no person can solve for you that actually makes you a safe person because then you can't get around people and try to manipulate an answer when only God can provide the thing you're after, you say, guess what? As a modern-day Levite, I'm going to stand in the presence of God before I run around trying to do a bunch of things. Right? It's a mark of a modern-day Levite. The Levites knew that before they could minister for God, they had to minister to God. It's a mark. It was something that marked them. And it, it wasn't just for the Old Testament. It's for us as modern-day Levites. Four marks. Number one. They were set apart. Number two, they learned to stand in the presence of God. And and let me just say that when you stand regularly in the presence of God, you will not be intimidated to stand before crowds, critics, bosses, boards, You will not be intimidated to stand before any person because you have stood in the face of the living God. Come on, somebody. Listen, I grew up with a burden to preach, but I was terrified to look people in the face. I was the kid who hid in the boys' room in school when it came time for an oral book report and wouldn't come out. I was terrified. I I can tell you, March 24th was the day that I had to preach here on this campus in preaching class, and I was scared out of my mind. But once you stand in the presence of God, all of a sudden He'll have you stand before kings, priests, principalities, mobs, bosses, critics. It doesn't matter because you've stood in the presence of God. Amen. So they they're set apart. They stand in the presence of God. Number two, a mark of a Levite is they serve. They serve. In Luke 10, Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. Again, probably one of the most familiar stories in, in all of the New Testament, one of them. And he says that there was a Jewish man leaving and going down the road to Jericho. And he is robbed, stripped, beaten by some bandits, and left for dead on the side of the road. Now think about some of the images we've seen over the past few months in the news and media and social media. Now image, Now, think about that man now, bleeding on the side of the road, left for dead. It says that a priest from the tribe of Levi comes and looks at the man and keeps going. But it says that a Levite also, a Levite who should know how to serve people, goes, looks at the man, comes over to see what's happening, and then chooses to go on the other side of the road. Now, modern-day translation, oh, my gosh, that's so bad. Maybe I'm going to take a picture, and we'll put, like, 2020 happens, bad day. Maybe next time, prayer request. Like, he, he sees what's going on and then walks to the other side of the road. And then Jesus says, but then there was a good Samaritan who, when he saw the man, you know, the priest looked and the Levite looked, but the Samaritan saw him. When you, sometimes you have to see someone before you can feel something. Do you hear me? Sometimes you just got to see the, you have to see someone from God's perspective, from heaven's perspective. And once you see them, then you'll feel something and move with compassion. And it says he gave him oil, and he gave him wine, and he treated his wounds, and he took him and threw him in his Acura and drove him to an Airbnb, and he said, I'll pay the bill, and I'll pay if it goes even further. Listen, can I say that to be a modern-day Levite, it will inconvenience your life. It will cost you. Uh, When you stand in the presence of God, and you're praying, God, just give me a divine appointment. God, I just... And then he answers your prayer, but that divine appointment shows up as the, the most inconvenient disruption you can imagine. <laughs> how many of you know what I'm talking about? You've been there. L- let, me, let me encourage you with, with how I blew that. before uh, Anne Anna and I moved to Maryland, we had a date night set up. And we were going to Henrietta. We didn't have a lot of time, but we had some childcare. and when you have young kids and you have childcare, you just le- you book it. Like, you just get out. And so we're like, all right, we don't want to spend our whole time in a restaurant. Let's get some quick food. Let's go to Moe's, right? Come on, how many of you have been? Welcome to Moe's. So we're in Moe's in Henrietta. And I'm looking at the menu because they expect you to know what you want quick and and move through the line. And so I'm like, all right, I want a, like, triple Lindy burrito. And I'm really hungry right now, and I'm going to get this. And all of a sudden I hear this loud thud behind me. What had happened is one of the employees was mopping the floor and went into the back kitchen to get one of those caution floors wet signs, but he didn't make it back out in time, and a woman who was leaving was walking out, and she slipped on the slippery floor and cracked her head on the frame of the door. She hit it so hard, she dented the aluminum casing around the metal of the door frame, right? Last time I was here, I went back to Moe's. The dent is still there in the door frame, (laughs) And so, can I just be honest, this was my inner dialogue. I'm there, I hear the thud, I turn around, a woman has fallen, Um, a nurse practitioner or someone in the medical community jumps out of line because they knew what to do and they already called an ambulance and so I was like, okay, she's fine. I'm on a date night and I need to order a burrito. And then, I'm not sure if it was the voice of the Holy Spirit or the voice of my wife because they sound similar these days. (laughs) I looked, but I didn't see. Do you know what I'm saying? And so I looked back, and I saw her, and then I don't know if it was a word of knowledge or what, but I knew her name was Brenda, and I had met her before. In passing, she had visited EGC. I met her, and I was like, to be honest, I was like, not now, Holy Spirit. Can't you see? I'm on a date night, and this is important, too. This is holy, too. Someone else can take care of that. I know I prayed while standing in your presence for a divine appointment, but this is a disruption to my plans. So I turned around. And I said, okay, I'm going to pray with Brenda. And so she's very shaken up, and the ambulance is on the way. So I kneel down, and I'm, Brenda, how are you? Oh, Pastor Josh, it's good to see you. I'm like, okay, great, if you only knew. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Thank God there are other care pastors I really do care about people, but come on, can't, can't you just say there is a selfishness that God has to root out of every modern-day Levite? It's just the way it is, but he's so faithful to give you more opportunities, and so I'm there. I pray with her. She calms down. The ambulance is coming, and so now I think I've got an out. I'm like, hey, I prayed with her. She's got peace. The Holy Spirit is here. You can sense him, and she's going She's going to be fine. But in the course of the conversation, she says, my husband is out of town on business and my sister lives further away. My sister's gonna come and meet me at the hospital and I'm thinking, great, she's not gonna be alone. And then my wife gives me one of those looks. You know the look, like, don't you dare leave this woman I was like but but a burrito like I'm so hungry and we have a date night plan and she was like no we are going to the hospital with this woman we are not sending her alone get in our car we're going to follow the ambulance and so I ate my ice cold triple Lindy burrito in the emergency room while we waited with her but you know what even though God had to drag me kicking and screaming I'm slowly getting better at not just looking at people and needs, but seeing them. And God, I'm telling you, as you stand in his presence, as you learn to become set apart, you don't have to blend in. You do, listen, kingdom leaders, the Holy Spirit teaches you how to contextualize your influence without compromising your values. You, you don't have to be weird, and you also don't have to be a sellout. We need spiritual potency, and we need cultural relevancy, and we want to walk with a sensitivity to the Spirit. How could you serve some people in your life right now? Like for some of you, you've got a break coming up next month for Thanksgiving, and you've got incredibly difficult family, relatives, and people. Some of you are like, I don't even know if I'm going home, Pastor Josh. I just kind of want to avoid that whole thing. But maybe as you're standing in the presence of God, he gives you a sense of mission and says, you know what? I just, I want you to show, I want you to love them and serve them. Some of them don't even know me, and they don't understand why you're in Bible college. They don't get it. They don't like it. They don't support it, but I want you to serve them. Maybe God will put a a name on your heart, and someone who is far from this campus, and, and you're to just video a message on your phone and text it to them as a prophetic word or a prayer request. God put you on my heart. I just feel like I'm supposed to say this to you. You have no idea how powerful that can be. I just believe, you know, I was with Pastor Dick Dreyer yesterday. Pastor Dick Dreyer is a giant in the faith. He stands in the presence of God more than any person I've ever met, and his life is a walking divine appointment. And I realize that maybe if I allow the Holy Spirit to sensitize my heart more, I would step into more of those divine appointments, and I wouldn't see them as just a divine inconvenience. Four marks of a modern-day Levite. Number one, they're set apart. Number two, they stand in the presence of God. Number three, they serve people. And number four, this is so cool, they get to speak and pronounce blessings. Watch this. Deuteronomy ten eight. it says, at that time, the Lord set apart. Say set apart. You have been set apart in this season. The tribe of Levi to carry the ark of the covenant of the Lord and to stand before the Lord to minister and to pronounce blessings in his name. You know, Proverbs says that an anxious heart can weigh a person down, but one word can lift them up. Come on, how many of you have one word inside of you? One, one word. There there is so much anxiety going all around, everywhere. And the Bible says that an anxious heart can weigh you down, but one timely word can lift a person up. A modern-day Levite speaks Blessing. Now, what what does it mean to speak blessing? It doesn't mean that I condone crazy. It doesn't mean that I say it's all good. There are things swirling around right now in culture and social media that are not only crazy, they're dangerous. And so as a modern day Levi, I don't say it's all good. It's all good. And by the way, I'm not looking to the left or to the right. I'm looking up for solutions. Because God has a plan. Because heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. And he is still advancing his mission. Even though people would love to divide us, even though there's craziness. The Levites, they stood next to Moses. When God said, Moses, your life is coming to an end, I want you to remind the people in Deuteronomy 27 and 28 of all the blessings and all the curses. And it says that the Levites were there with Moses helping him. And he stood up on a mountain and he said, if you go all in on the will of God, as an individual, as a family, and as a nation, here are all the blessings that will overtake you. But he says, if you pay the Lord, adopt the customs and culture of your day, he will remove his hand of favor, and here are the curses that you will have to face. So the Levites weren't spineless. The Levites weren't like, you know, just handing out uh, lollipops and blessing everything. But I'm telling you, what a privilege we have. Listen, right now, you know there are people that have probably argued with, listen, you can argue with a person without attacking a person. Listen, you, in the name of trying to, well, I, I believe this about this theological thing, because I know the conversations that can happen on a campus like this. Well, I believe, well, I, I'm a little bit more Arminius. I'm a little bit more Calvinist. Well, I'm not sure if I believe in this. it doesn't, listen, in the name of trying to be right, how about you know we could always be loving. Levites have the courage to pronounce blessing from him towards them. Are you, do you have the courage as a modern-day Levite to bless what God is blessing? Amen? It's so rare. Everybody's got bad news. How many of you know your perspective is your choice? And at any moment as you stand in the presence of God and you let him separate you from culture, you can say, you know what, I see a little bit more clearly now. And I get to bless what my father is blessing. It's such a privilege. One word can lift somebody up, can wake somebody up, can remind them what they were made for. I want you to stand to your feet. I just believe, you know, before COVID and all the disruption, this song was written by Carrie Job in Elevation, right? The blessing. This is like the oldest blessing in number 6, where the Levi's, the tribe of Levi, Aaron and his sons, were able to say, The Lord bless you and keep you, right? The face of God, face in presence in Hebrew is the same. May his face and his presence turn towards you, his very countenance. Do you realize the greatest privilege of your life in this season is that you are here to look into the face of God, Because what you behold is what you're going to become. Do you know that as much as I loved, I actually fell in love with reading at Elam. I, I went all the way through high school without reading a book. I got through with cliff notes, spark notes, whatever you call it. I just listened well when there was conversations. I did not do the reading. At Elam, I fell in love with reading. I loved the classroom. But my favorite place on this campus was the prayer room, the Oasis prayer room at AGC that used to be a closet in the basement. I have so many things written in journals that God spoke to me in that place that are still being fulfilled right now. And can I just say to you, in this this land of great distraction, in this season of great disruption, God is raising up some modern day Levites with a huge devotion to his heart and a huge heart to serve his house. Listen, in 2020, I don't want to look back at 2020 and say, my life was defined by a virus or my life was confined to a voting block. I want my Life to be refined by the very voice of God because I'm a modern day Levite and you are a modern day Levite. So, right now, I want you just to close your eyes. We're going to sing this song of blessing and, and I want you to think beyond yourself. I want you to think beyond your week, your day, your struggle. I want you to think of someone. The Holy Spirit's going to give you a name, a friend, a family member, a situation that you're burdened for, a nation. And I want you, as we begin to sing these words before Dr. A comes, I want you just to speak blessing right now from your soul. Can you do that? Are you ready? Do we have some modern-day Levites in the house that can speak by the Holy Spirit, speak to things that are not as though they were? Come on, let's speak the blessing of God right now. Be gracious, the Lord turns his face to Turn his face toward And your family, and your children, and the children of your children, make his favor, make his favor be upon you in a thousand generations. Your family, and the children, and the children, oh, make his presence, make his presence go before you, and behind you, and beside you, all around you, and within you. Peace with you in the morning, in the morning, in the evening, and you're coming and you're going, and you're waving and rejoicing. Peace for you, 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 peace for you. we have tasted of you today. Thank you for the word of God given to us. Father, we take it, we we eat it, we place it in our spirit. Father, we digest it. And God, we pray that that word would find its lodging place within our minds and our hearts and our spirits as we look to you, the author and perfecter of faith. Father, Again, I like what he said, Josh, not looking to the left and not looking to the right, particular here at this political time, but looking up, we look to you, almighty God, because you and you alone have the words of life. Father, bless the uh, the time that we have. Father, bless the food, and the cafeteria, and we thank you in Jesus' name. God bless you all. Thank you.